it's amazing. It's mysterious, and yet it's so amazing to think about how much God loves us. How crazy God is about us. Do you know how loved you are? Can we fathom how how eternal and powerful and never-ending the love of God is for us and how He views us? He views us as His bride. He sees us and He's proud of us. And He cares for us. And, And He wants us to know how passionate He is about our life and how He wants to care for us. I love that line, Austin. I love when when you say, I have made you worthy of this marriage. See, here's what we all know. Here's the the secret, the the secret we think that, that no one else knows about us, but that everyone shares. We know we're unworthy of God. We know He is holy. We know that He is beyond us. And there's no way we could ever merit this marriage. We, we could never come to God on our own. We can never come to Him in our own terms and say, Hey God, look what you get in me. Look what, look what heaven's going to get to have one day. Look, look at what I bring to the table. That's not how we come if we come to Him. We come broken. We come used. We, we, we come with pain. And it's the suffering of sin. Yes, there's good because we've been made in the image of God. And yes, there's beauty because we're a reflection of God Himself because of how He made us and how He has chosen to love us. But in order for us to have a right standing with God, we have to be made holy. We have to be made worthy of this marriage. And this theme is all throughout Scripture. We see it from the very beginning in Genesis, but then we come to Song of Songs and we see this analogical picture of, of God pursuing His bride, pursuing His people. And, and, and then again in Hosea, where, of course, we're Gomer. We're the one who cheats. We're the one who deceives. We're the one who has fallen, who, who keeps pursuing other loves. At, at, at the expense of this great love that we've been given by this great king. We see this in Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel. We see it in Matthew as Jesus is talking. We see it in Revelation. My favorite picture, my, my favorite way of seeing this and understanding this comes out of Ephesians chapter 5. I use it in almost every wedding that I do hoping to expound the gospel in this beautiful picture of the coming together of a man and woman in marriage. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What we see in the in the the marrying of a man and a woman is a picture. It's a picture. It's an analogy of, 
of how God loves us and how when we, by grace through faith in Christ alone, are joined with God, we, as, as, as His redeemed people, become the bride of Christ. And, and He is our groom. And so we see in this picture something very similar, but the pursuit, the pursuit is radically different. See, the way, the way a man and a woman come together and, and, and that pursuit and the way uh, we come together with God, it, it's completely different. For, for us to know Christ, it's all one-sided. We become God's people because of the grace of Jesus Christ alone. Because He pursues us. Because He has died for us. Because He has been resurrected. He has conquered death. And now He only, He can make us holy. He can say, I have made you worthy of this marriage. Not because we have merited it with any kinds of behavior that would lend God to say, Oh, now you're worthy. Now you're worthy to be my bride. What makes us worthy is the holiness of God that is given to us as our sin debt is paid and we are covered in the righteousness of Christ. When a man and woman come together, when, when, when a man and woman are pursuing one another, it's, it's different than, than that. And we've got to make sure that we understand where the analogy breaks down. So this picture was taken 22 years ago. Yes, that's me. And that's Carrie. And yes, she looks exactly the same. And yes, I used to look like this, and now I look like this. This is what 21 years of ministry, three children, and a dog will do to you. She looks exactly the same because she has more faith than me. Yes, she was prettier than me. Yes, she was godlier than me. But I I talked her into it. I pursued her for years, and, and finally I got on my knees and I begged her to marry me. Now, when Carrie and I came together, we, we, came, we came on mutual terms. We both came as sinners into a holy marriage. We came as those who had been found in Christ, been made righteous by Christ. But we, coming into our relationship, we, we did not come uh, in, in, in any way superior than the other. We, we came in mutual terms. When we come to Christ, we do not come in mutual terms. We come to a holy God who has made us worthy of marriage. We come to a God who has to humble himself, to take on flesh, to pursue us, to redeem us. I, I love the way the song sings. Guys, put the words of that, of the, that song This is the story of the Son of God hanging on the cross for me. But it ends with a bride and groom and a wedding by a glass and sink. This is the picture of the rescue and the restoration of the story of the Bible. We are rescued. We are made worthy of God by the blood of Christ Jesus. And that is the only way we will ever be worthy to walk in the halls of heaven and be claimed by God Himself as His bride, as His chosen people that He has redeemed, that He chose before the creation of the world and loved with an everlasting love. And one day that love is going to be consummated in the coming of Christ. And there will be the glassy sea and all the angels 
And the demons of hell and the devil and all sin will, will be cast into hell. But all the redeemed of God will stand with him. This is the story of the Bible. It's the rescue and restoration. But it reminds us again that the Bible is not a collection of stories or sayings. The Bible is a single story that tells us that God created all things to be in harmony. But because of the fall, we have sinned and now there's brokenness. But God did not abandon us in our brokenness. Instead, God came to, came to rescue us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God became flesh, lived a holy life, and died to pay for our sins. He has conquered death. And now for all who believe, we become the bride of Christ. His loved bride. And one day, he's going to come back and get us. Amen? He's going to come back and he's going to make all things new. And there will be harmony again. And all those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone who have lived in love with God in their life because of His power and His mercy, they will be with Him. We will be with Him forever. I don't know what this love does for you, but it should give you hope. And this hope should give you confidence. And confidence is crucial. If you don't have confidence, there are going to be opportunities that are going to come your way and you're going to shy away because you won't have the confidence to step forward. You're, you're, you're going to focus on what is rather than what God could do. What could God do in this marriage that's broken? What could God do in this life that is constantly struggling with sin? What could God do with this conflict that exists between you and another person? What could God do with your suffering, your, your health trial that you're facing right now? What could God do? He is a great and mighty God. And because of His love for you, He can do great things. But if you don't have hope and you are not confident in the hope of Christ, you'll miss it. You'll be so afraid to step out in faith. You'll be so uh, afraid to imagine what God could do. And you'll become bullied by your own, by your own demented thoughts and ideas and and often well-meaning people, and sometimes not so well-meaning people, are going to try to bully you into being something that, that you know God hasn't destined you to be. But because you don't have confidence, you won't step out in faith. You won't believe in what God can do. You'll be bullied, and then you'll become afraid of what is next, and you'll miss out on what God has for you. And God has so much for you. And He does that because He loves you. God really does love you. And if you can believe that, you'll never be the same again. Because that love will give you confidence, and that confidence in His hope will transform you. In our text today, we see what this love can do. In our text, we see another analogy. Not of the, the, the bride and the groom, but a, but a father and a child. And we see in this analogy the beauty and the power of God's love that gives us hope. And so we can have hope with, with confidence in God's love. Let's understand what that means. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It's a brief verse. Isabella Fultz is going to read for us. Isabella, why don't you come on up as we all stand together in honor of God's Word. This is the year of hope. We're discovering what hope is. We're talking about the fact that hope is confident. And so we're walking through 1 John, and now we come to chapter 3, and today we're in verse 1. So, Isabel, if you would, read verse 1 for us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. 
the word of God. Thank you, sweet sister. If you guys would, go ahead and, and be seated. Please know, God made us to live confident lives, but we, we're not 100% confident all the time because we, have, we don't have the ability to be in and of ourselves. Only in Christ can we be confident. Only once we know that we are loved, only once the base of our, of our every thought is the fact that God loves us, we will never live confident lives. See, every day that you wake up, the first thought that needs to enter into your mind is that God is holy and yet he still loves me. See, if, if you don't know that as the base thought of your life, there are going to be other thoughts that will drive you. Hey, I'm cool. I'm awesome. I'm smart. I'm going to be able to figure this out. And maybe you will today. But you don't know what tomorrow holds. Hey, I'm doing good. I've been doing better. I, you know what? I haven't, I haven't been on that internet side. I haven't lied to anyone. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't spent beyond my means. You know, in a while, I haven't drank that. I haven't taken that pill. I haven't, I haven't had to rely on those other things. But, but here's what you know. That, that desire, that longing is there. And it doesn't, it doesn't move. You can't escape it. And on your own, you'll never overcome it. Because see, here's the deal. We are morally gullible. We are mentally limited. We are emotionally needy. But by God's grace, we are dearly loved. And if we will repent and believe, He will give us a new life. And this life will give us confidence. And it will be a confident hope in the love of God. In our text today, we, we see why we have this confidence. We see that hope is, confidence, is confident in God's love because of three things. And I want you to write these down and learn them. First of all, hope is confident in God's love because God has given it to us. We didn't earn it. Here's the deal. If you believe you have earned the love of God, you will never live with confident hope. Because here's why. If you believe that you've earned it, that means you have it because of what you have done. And because we're all morally gullible and mentally limited and emotionally needy, sooner or later, we fail. And if your confidence is based on your personal moral capacity, your personal holiness, then you don't have hope. Because sooner or later, you will fail. And when you do, your hope is gone. Why, can, why is it possible? Why can I, why can you have this confident hope? Because God has loved us. Because He has chosen to love us, not because we earned it. It's given to us freely. The text there, it says, see, you know, we, we, I don't know how you used to sing it. Oh, what matter of love the Father has given unto us. Here we see in the ESV, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Let me, let me, let me share some things with you about this text. First of all, see, understand that's an imperative. We're being commanded. Look at this. Look at this love. Don't, don't just, don't just kind of let it pass by. Look at this love. And, and I love it says here, see what kind of love. This, this, this Greek word, uh, patapain, it, it means, to, at its base root, is to, to, to understand the origin of the country of. What a great picture. See the origin of the country of the love that the Father has for us. 
What is the origin of God's love? It's from eternity past. It's in a, it's in a place that we can't even fathom. It's, it's in heaven. It's in the heart and the mind of God. It is eternal. It, it never fades. It has a power and it comes to us through a great sacrifice. God's love is not cheap. The expense that God has gone to to love us is extreme. He's died for us to love us. God cannot love sin. He will not love sin. And so in order to overcome sin, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And so by grace through faith, because of his love, he's come and sacrificed himself. And so he can now give us his love, not based on what we have done, but based on what he has done in Jesus Christ. This love is not earned. This love is given as a gift and we receive it by grace through faith in Christ alone or not at all. And if you do not have as the base function of your thinking and feeling the love of God, then you have no hope and you have no confidence. But if you will choose to believe that you are loved by holy God, choose to believe that he has made you worthy of his love by his death and resurrection, you will never be the same again. This love, this love, the Father's love, it's unconditional We cannot earn it. We can only receive it by faith. It's eternal. It never ends. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. God's love is forever. And God's love is not passive. God's love has a power to transform a life. And that's the second thing I want you to see. Hope is confident in God's love because God has changed us with it. God's love changes us. We are made children of God. See what, what, love, what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God. And so we are. What were we before? What are some of you now? What I once was and what some of you are now are orphans. You're in this world on your own, trying to figure out your way. I was once an orphan, separated from the Father of Heaven. I was lost in my sin, and I was trying to find a path to happiness. I was trying to find a way that will fulfill the emptiness in my life. And that's where some of you are today. You, apart from God, are trying to figure out how you can be happy, how you can be successful, how you can get on in life. And what I want to tell you that is that you are not, you are not going to do well as an orphan. You can never feed yourself properly. You cannot clothe yourself properly. You cannot instruct yourself properly. You need the Father. You need the Father of heaven to feed you His love and His truth and His gospel and His grace. You need to be clothed in the righteousness of the Father. And you need to be guided by the hand of the God who made you and loves you. As an orphan, there's misery, there's pain. But God chose to adopt us and to make us His children because of His love. And if we will believe that love and receive that love, we will go from being orphans in a dark, lost world 
to being the children of the King of Heaven. And we will have a place in the Hall of Heaven. We will have a place in His local church. We will have a place at the Messianic Feast when He returns. And He will know us by name. And He will hold us. And He will say, you are mine. I have bought you with a great price. And I love you eternally. And I will never let go of you no matter what you go through. That is the love of the Father. Do you know it? Do you know this love? It will change you. It will change you. God will bring you in and make you His own. And then you know what your job will become? You'll, you'll get involved with the family business. See, the, the children of God, and some, some of God's children don't seem to understand this, that our Father has a family business. And that family business is to give His love and His light to the world. Some of God's children think that God has loved them and, and died on the cross for them so that they could be comfortable in this world. So that they could get a great parking place. So, so, that, so that everyone would like them and so they would be successful in business. And they just need to name it and claim it. And put a big smile on their face. And pretend that they're better than everyone else. There are some of God's children who have been deceived in thinking that that's why the Father has come to adopt us. God has come to save us for His glory. And He is most glorified in us when we are most dependent upon Him, fulfilling the family business. And what is God's family business? Bottom line, making disciples. That's the family business. And God has called every single one of us to be a part of the family business, to lead more people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, how's business going for you? How are you praying for the family business? How are you sacrificing for the family business? What are you doing to be engaged in the family business? Is the family business even on your mind during the week? Is the family business something that that burdens your heart? Are you looking around at the people where you live, work, learn, and play? And are you wondering who needs God's love? Who needs to be made a disciple? And what are you doing about that? Are you praying for them? Are you having conversations with them? Are you inviting them to worship with you? Are you inviting them to connect in a group with you? Are you showing them how they can serve God? Are you showing how they can be equipped to do the ministry? Are you showing that they can be a part of the family the business and that they can multiply the faith that God gives to them? Are you showing them the purpose? Are you walking alongside? Because here's what I think is, is happening in a lot of believers' lives today. Is that we're so caught up in our business, we don't have time for the family business. We're so caught up in our careers and our likes and dislikes, and we are giving so much time and attention to accomplishing our goals that we have forgotten God's goals. We're not mindful of the needs of others because we're so caught up in worrying about our own. And that's not why God saved you. That's not why He made you His child. He made you His child so that you could know His love and so that you could be a part of His business so that your life could count for all of eternity. So let me ask you, who are you going to bring to worship next week? Who are you going to be praying for this week? How are you going to seek to help them get connected in membership here and get connected in a group? Who are you going to show how to serve in the church and to serve in our city? How are you going to make sure that you're equipped to do it and that they get equipped to do it? How are you going to multiply multiply the influence of God in this world? See, that's the business of God. 
and, and that needs to be not only the business that, that we carry out in ourselves, but a business that, that impacts all of our relationships and all of our lives. Because here's what I know. Once you've been loved by God as your father, it changes changes everything because it changes how you feel about yourself because before christ here's what i know you're separated from god you're separated because of your sin you're an orphan but the moment you dare to believe that god loves you and died for you everything changes because now you have peace with god and the moment you have peace with god you have peace within and the moment you know that god loves you and you have peace within you have the confidence to go and share the love of god with other people You don't go and you say, hey, look how great I am. Look how good my life is. Look how wonderful everything is going on. You go in weakness and you say, look, I don't have it all figured out. You know, I'm still growing in this. I'm still trying to discover what it means to be an adopted child of God. I still feel like an orphan, but I know I'm a child of the king. And I'm still trying to figure this out, but I want to share it with you. And it changes not only how you relate to God and to yourself, but how you relate to others, your friends, your families. Your family will be changed. And one of the things that we want to do here at Living Hope is we want to invest in it. We want to enable families to be able to take this glorious hope and pass it on to next generations. One of our core values is family discipleship. I want to put this up for you because I want you to understand this is a core to who we are at Living Hope. And if this resonates with you, I want to encourage you to join Living Hope. I want you to be a part of this, and I want you to make this a part of your family. See, passing the faith on to the next generation, that's our core value. And we get that from uh, Psalm 48. Tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. This is our longing and our desire. And, And we realize a lot of folks don't know how to do this. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to, I didn't know how to do this. I was introduced to this by Carrie's family, my wife's family, because I was able to see what it looked like when a family would sit down and have a meal together and pray and give thanks to God and then sit, not just enough time to get everything eaten and cleaned up and out of the way, but sit and eat and then sit and talk about what God was doing in their lives to talk about what was going on, to laugh around the table. And I've since seen this in other leaders' lives that have made a huge impact on me as I have seen what it looks like to have a godly family. And here's what I know. We all need help in this. And so here's what I want you to begin to prepare for. If you're about to adopt or if you're about to have a child or if you have a child that, that is about to be a senior and everything in between, I want you to write down this date, October 18th. October 18th, if you have a friend who has a child, if you have a family member who has a child, we want to equip our families to pass on the faith to the next generation. And, and we have a process from, from the time that, that, that they are conceived and we know they're coming to the moment they launch out in adulthood. We have some time, some, some steps that we will take as families to ensure that they are walking in the Lord. I shared this with a friend this summer. And he began to tear up on me. And I said, what's going on? He said, I'm losing my child. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I've had my child in church since before he was born. I'm losing my child. I said, what's going on? It's because I was describing this process that we're going to go through as a church so so that we make disciples of our children said, I I can't help but believe if I would have taken responsibility for this, it would have been different for him. 
he would feel differently about his faith. He would feel differently about our family. And he would be able to see what is ahead, what God wants for him. And friends, this is what we want for all of our families. This is what we want for everyone. We want everyone to know that, yeah, we were all orphans, but our Father in heaven has adopted us and made us his children, and it changes everything about our lives. And we want to pass this on in the family business to the people where we live, work, learn, and play. We want to lead more people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus. We want to walk with them, that they might come and worship, that they'll know how, that they can connect, they can serve, they can be equipped, they can multiply. And we want to teach this to our children. We want to see this transformation, this change happen. Only God can do it, but we can be a part of it. God changes us with His love, and it gives us confidence. The last thing I want us to see is hope is confident in God's love because God has aligned us to Himself. We are made mysterious like God. This last part of verse 31 really resonates with me these days. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. God is a mystery, and I'll be honest, I didn't get God for a lot of years. I didn't get Him. I thought he was an upset supervisor, or a disappointed dad, or an abusive tyrant. I thought he was someone that demanded things and that I could manipulate and control. If I would just do a few good things, I could make a deal with him. I didn't get God. I get him now. Here's what I get. He doesn't need me, but he wants me. And I hope you get that. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He wants you in the worst way. He wants you to know His love. And He wants you to be set free. He wants to change you. See, God's love, it does something. It draws people. It serves people. And it glorifies Himself. And you know what God expects of His children? That we be like Him. That we draw people to Him. That we serve people to see Him. And that we do it all for the glory of of him who has loved us. The world doesn't get God and, and, and the world's not going to get us. But the point is not for the world to get us and appreciate us. Please get this. This is not about us. This is about him. It's not important that the world get you. It's not important that your friends appreciate what you say and what you stand for. It's not important that your family applaud you. It's not important that the world say, oh, you're so right. We, we were wrong. You're so right. You're so smart. You got it together. That's not what this is about. This is about us saying, do you get our God? Do you get how much he loves you? Do you get how powerful he is? Do you get what he can do in your life? Can I show you? Can I leave? It's not about them getting us and appreciating us. It's about them getting Him and getting His grace and getting His love. Let me ask you, do you get His love? Do you get it? Do you believe that you are loved by this God eternally, sacrificially loved forever? Do you get that and do you receive that right now? Are you willing right now to receive that love? To admit that you've sinned, but ask Him to forgive you and to take over your life. Do it right now. Come get on your knees in just a minute as we sing praise to Him. Get on your knees and say, God, I want you. Some of you today, do you really believe God loves you? Do you really believe it? Then instead of wasting away in the silence of your despair, come get on your knees and say, God, I trust you in this. 
I trust that you have a plan in what I'm going through right now. And I believe that there's a blessing at the end of it. And I don't see it right now, but I trust you. And some of you, I wonder, where are you at in the family business? Where are you engaged? Are you praying for those who are apart from God? Are you sharing with them? It may very well be that today some of you need to come and repent of your lack of involvement in the family business of God. And you need to lift up the names of some that you know that need His love. And you need to ask God to give you the confidence and the hope you have and the courage to begin to lead those you know to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. And I pray you'll do that right now. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we cannot fathom your love, but we can apprehend it to some extent. And then we can believe. And by believing, we can be saved. And being saved, we can be of service. And we can, we can be in your family business. And we can see you provide. And we can trust you in every outcome. And we can know that you are God. I pray right now for some who need to come and get on their knees and say, God, forgive me. Save me. Take over my life. I want to be yours.